thank you for um, the benefit that we have of it, both the Old and New Testament, Lord, for how it just continues to speak to us. And so we humbly submit ourselves to your word here this morning, Lord. Speak to us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was uh, younger, I used to go um, hiking on four-day hikes, and believe it or not, it was with ISCF, or Scripture Union. And one of the, and this was even before I was a, a Christian at times, and then I became a Christian as well, but I would travel and, and go on some of these, these hikes, and I can remember um, hiking to Mount Maroon. Have any, any of you done Mount Maroon? Done Mount Maroon? You get right up the uh, top of it, all right, and you can look out over there. It's actually a small little section, actually. And you can look out over it. And then in Lamington National Park with um, um, the Lost World. Have you ever been to the Lost World, Lamington? Have you, have you ever been to Lamington National Park, anybody? All right, Brent, all right, a couple of us. It's beautiful. If you've never been there, it's really worth the uh, trip to spend up there the, the day and go on walks and so on and so on. But in the, the, the process of, of being up there, it was amazing just to look at um, I can remember on one occasion, the clouds were right up on the, on the edge. And you could almost walk out on them. Right? And other times, it was just amazing to look and be in awe of God and his creation. But there were people in amongst our, our group who were quite concerned about the heights that we were standing on. And the mountain to them, and overlooking, you know, God's picturesque, landscapes and so on, um, um, uh, in the midst of all that, for so many people, it was afraid. Uh, it, it was fearful. They were afraid. And they couldn't wait to get back off the edge and get down off the mountain. And we think, well, what's wrong with you? This is a moment we've climbed up to, to, to see. It's beautiful. It's magnificent. And they were in fear of it, more so in a, uh, being able to see its majesty. And we used to sort of pick on them a, a little bit, you know, well, what's wrong with you? What's, what's going on? But when you think about it, if, if the mountain and its beauty is overshadowed by uncertainty or fear, then you never, ever get to see the beautiful landscape. You never, ever get to see the mountainous ranges. A level of almost fear involved. And so it wasn't really fair necessarily to pick on people to say, well, why can't you see what I see? Have you ever come across that in life? Even spiritually, as we walk? People just do not see what you can see. And I began to think about it a, a little bit more in light of today. I began to, to think through well, if God or your relationship with the Lord is, is held with a sense of um, fear or uncertainty or I'm just carrying out, and the, the ramifications of that is, and I'm just carrying out my Christian walk as I should, hopefully God will like me or love me, then you'll never be able to see the beauty or experience something of the joy of our salvation. Because I'm living in uncertainty. And that would be sad. 
much is at stake with understanding the joy of my salvation or the joy of God. Many people have thought about Christianity in terms of that duty rather than delight. We're encouraged in ourselves to delight in the Lord. But is it something that as we move into another year that you'd like to see more of in your own life? To delight in the Lord. In Luke chapter 2, we're reminded of this perplexity between fear and joy or between duty and delight. In Luke 2, Luke records for us, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married with him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby and keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were, what? Terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth and peace to those whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Just as a sidebar, I've always thought of shepherds as being these old guys with sticks. And I was doing a little bit of research into shepherds there was one that I came across that they actually suggested was more likely to be a standard shepherd. And that person's name was David. And he was a kid. 
And I don't know what it was like of a night time, still sidebar, uh, of, you know, in taking care of wolves and so on, but we hear of David taking on animals and so on and protecting. And so I wonder whether really, just as a thought, whether the angels appeared to quite young people being shepherds. Nevertheless, whatever their age was, the first thing that is said is, do not be afraid. Is that a fair enough comment, do you think, in light of what's taking place? <laughs> I think so. Hey, it's okay, it's okay. I'm just knocking at your door. It's a stranger. It's actually an angel and boom, here. probably the first one they've ever seen. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Experiencing good news about experiencing the unexpected. Guess what? Something's coming. Great joy is going to be, be in it. And I wonder for you, what would that look like? And to experience the unexpected. If somebody rocked on up at your door and said, hey, good news, guess what? For me, it might be, there's a new Star Wars trilogy coming out. Hmm? Or... Your favourite author has just written another set of books. Or, <laughs> and I had already planned this, Dita, but, or the Broncos have signed some really good players and guess what, they're not Penrith ones. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting news. I bring you good news. What would that look like for you in your life? Don't be afraid. That's always sets us back, doesn't it, a little bit? Hang on a minute. I will be afraid. <laughs> I bring you good news. Here's something that you've perhaps been waiting for or something unexpected that's going to be a surprise. It's going to be great. Euangelion. And I think about this in light of our own journey as believers, people who found Jesus. What's the good news of Jesus in my life? How does that continue just to, to, to develop in my life? And what can stop it from growing, developing? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Got it here somewhere. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he says, The devil keeps us from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He means the devil is in the business of hindering you from seeing the glory of God at work in your life. But there are other things as well. Paul goes on in that passage to really outline that while there are those who are blinded from the truth, it's really the evil forces at work in this world that are seeking to, to do that. And I've spoken about it previously in ways of imagine you've bought a property and the person next door wasn't really happy with the fact that 
that you bought it before they did. And you're excited about it, but they know what lives under the ground. And it's a well of oil. Eco-friendly oil. And they will do anything to stop you from discovering what's deep underground. That's the work of spiritual, of evil spiritual forces in this world, and it's very real to hinder you. But it's not only that, there are other things that can hinder us. There's some thought in amongst um, evolutional biologists that when evolution was happening, we were born on the plains of Africa, that we learned fight or flight. We learned basically to live in fear. There's also the thought, no matter what angle you come from, that the human brain is bent towards the negative. Hmm. Just a theory. But that it takes approximately three seconds for a negative memory to be imprinted on the brain, but 14 seconds for a positive one. Don't know. That's why it's good to have good memories and to be able to remember them, to come back to a photo or a video or a memory to release the positive feelings, positive thoughts. Paul says this in Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the, all. the Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, Think about such things. Go against the flow. Fill your minds with the glory of God, which what what he brings into our lives. It seems that our brains are oftentimes bent on focusing on the negative. And it's a, it's a complex thing, but perhaps, because we don't want to be ignorant of what's happening around us. I'm a big one for wanting to know what's happening in the world and around me. There's even a psychological term for it about issues dealing with anxiety or hyper-awareness. It's called other things, but it's related to um, stress disorders and so on, where you really need to be able to control your environment for whatever, whatever reason, whatever, however it's come about. And sometimes it just becomes all-consuming, doesn't it? It hinders our joy. We find ourselves perhaps just going through motions thinking, well, this is the world and we're just stuck in it. This is how it's going to be. In Luke 2, he says, I bring you good 
news. I bring you joy. Today, a saviour is born. Does that sound like good news to you? Perhaps the aspect of saviour is born. If they're saying, today, a saviour is born. Well, okay. That's great. It wasn't that today there is justification by faith or today there's opportunity. If you would declare Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord, you will be saved. Or today you are saved by grace alone. It's today a Saviour, a baby is born and his name is Jesus. I don't know what it would have sounded as incredible good news. They rushed off. They wanted to find out what was going on. So it was to them. But what really is it about? See, Jesus' birth, and this is something I want to leave with us today before we sing our our final song, but Jesus' birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension was dragging the future into the present. In other words... The Old Testament had spoken of it. The prophecies were there. There was an intertestamental period of nothingness and just the Roman Empire and, you know, the occupation of of Israel and so on. And then all of a sudden, what had been proclaimed and prophesied about, Jesus ushered in to the present. Isaiah. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. In other words, it's almost like the fruit of the Spirit is now present. Jesus brought in a new way. Open up almost a new portal in, in, in one sense of saying, hey, and one of the ways to, to capture it is um, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. All of them. Here's Jesus bringing this in. This is a new culture, a new way. This is what and who God is about. As we were saying over December, Advent and Christmas isn't simply about a season to be celebrated, but the tone of our inner lives. Jesus has ushered in what was foretold to the now, to the present. But where does that leave us? Because now, we live in a type of advent again. Of we know what is to come. We expect, we know that there's a second coming now. This is, we're living in the time of Jesus and we understand the power of God and the Holy Spirit and we understand I am redeemed by the blood of the land. But now I'm waiting expectantly and yet I'm, I've got one foot in both camps. I'm having to deal with this culture of, of negativity, of this culture that it, it just keeps dragging me down. But I also know what is to come, what's coming. And so I'm in here and I'm there. And it's a real, it's almost torture in many ways, isn't it? There's a tension as we live with the promise of the future of glory to come. Joy is more than an emotion. It can also be an inner condition of the soul. I'm not just going to go through the motions of duty 
but I'm going to be deliberate about rejoicing in the Lord always. How do we move into that? A, by doing what Jesus did, by ensuring a healthy, deep relationship with God the Father. What's an area of your life that you'd like to do that in this year? Just one area. Would you like to set that down in your heart and mind now? Lord, yeah, okay. This is something we're going to work on, one area. As Philippians 4, as we read before, points out, rejoice in the Lord always. And what does he say? I will say it again. Paul wants to really stress this. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice is about focusing upon what you're glad about. What the Lord has already done. Reminding yourself of those things. To give thanks. He says this, it continues on, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And so he's now saying, hey, draw near to God. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and, and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then finally, as we read before, the third thing that you can do in wanting to experience or live in the, the joy of your salvation, to be deliberate about it. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and that's God, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what should we do? Think about such things. Jesus ushered in a new era. The Western world took it and took Jesus up on it now because a lot of the Western world and its, its, perhaps its values or something of its, of its goodness anyway is found in Jesus alone. Love, joy, peace, patience. It's just an example. But Jesus ushers something in you and now we live in, as I mentioned before, a, a, an era where we've got one foot in this camp where we have to live in this world and yet another one expectant of something more to come. I want to finish with Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Or who loves me. Just want you to Sit in that for a moment. Who loves me? What would that look like for you? Or what does that look like? Somebody says, who loves me?
it's one of the few places where Paul uses the singular personal pronoun for how Jesus relates to him, not just us. He loved me and gave himself for me. Richard Foster in his book, Celebration of Discipline, in the first couple of chapters, talks about that to celebrate is a discipline in itself. I need to actually discipline myself to sit in the joy of my salvation, to be reminded of it because while I'm living in this world, I've got one foot in this camp and I'm experiencing all this hardship and difficulty and yet I know the, the, the glory of the Lord. I know what is, is coming. I also know that there's, that, that there's something more. It's almost we're experiencing something of what the Jews perhaps did in knowing the prophecy of the Messiah and yet waiting for it. We, we know something's coming but we're just we're just waiting for it, and then Jesus comes. And now, for us as believers, as Christians, as Gentiles, we're now living in this moment of wow, this is what it's all about, and Jesus has come, and I can experience a lot of what it was all about. But now I live too in anticipation of what is to come, and so I need to be deliberate because I had a taste of what is to come. And so now I find myself here and I've got to continue to just be deliberate about nodding, about not allowing my faith to become simply a duty. But to be deliberate, to be disciplined in my celebration of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we are joyous. We've sung a carol perhaps over this past time of joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Let all of heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth. The Saviour reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrow grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. And wonders of his love. Lord, that's just not a carol that just is sweet for us to sing, but it calls us again, just as your word does, into a place of joy to the world, joy to my life. And so we pray, Lord, as we enter a, a new year for our, ourselves, we pray for the deliberate celebration of who you are. For how you called us from far off and called us into a place of delight. And so as we move into this year, Lord, we continue to want to just sit in that, the joy of our salvation. 
Help us to be deliberate about it, Lord. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Song that I've chosen just to capture perhaps something of what we've been talking about this morning and already celebrating about is um, the blessing song. It just speaks of God's goodness. May it be, may it come and rest upon you and your family. Let's stand together and sing. Thank you.